Hey there, if you would like ad-free and early versions of these episodes, as well as bonus episodes, movie club episodes, and lots more, head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. Hello, hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. Can you hear me okay? Well, yes, of course. You responded, so I'm sure <laughs> that would have worked out nicely. Great shirt. Is that a Choose Life? Uh... It is a Choose Life shirt, yes, from Halloween last two years ago. Oh, my God. Time is flying, Craig. Time is at a standstill and flying, which yeah. is horrendous. It is. It's bizarre. Last night, I realized uh, I was seeing a film that I saw 23 years ago in the cinema. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia, which is one of my favorites. Oh, my I... God. Wow. Yeah, that's a great film. I haven't seen that for... I don't think I've seen that since... Like, I rented it on video not long after it came... After it left the cinemas, and I don't think I've seen it since. Oh, amazing. If you get a chance to see it, yeah. especially in the cinema... Yeah. do it. And it was great because I was front row center. Now, normally I don't like front row at the movie theaters, but this place... New Beverly has a comfortable distance and it's like the perfect yeah. amount of space and it was properly loud. So, which was wow. great because sometimes Julian I've had that. Moore's like, <gasps> crying singer. How dare you call me lady? I'm trying to get my medication. Do you have death in your household? Yeah. <laughs> she cries quite a bit. Yeah. She cries so much in that film. I just remember like her cry, like so vividly, like her like contorted face. So <laughs> I know. Just, ah, there's a lot of that sound. Yeah. She's amazing. And then there's just a lot of uh, very intense walking from room to room. Mm-hmm. And an almost sheer top, so that's yeah. kind of fun too. And yeah. Tom Cruise's absolutely terrifying performance. He's so slash good documentary. In that. He's so good in that. It's it's really like one of the scariest performances I think I've seen by a, a person. You know, it really is. Even when he gets uh, tender with, you know, later on, that's just as scary, so scary. because of all yeah. the the compressed pain in the character. And it, like you said, documentary. Watching it now, you think, yeah. wow, so Paul Thomas Anderson really got him to do his Scientology thing yeah. in this. Because it's the yeah. same it's delivery the same. and devotion. It's yeah. wild. It's really it, wild. It, amazingly, Cruz sought him out. Oh. Yeah, okay. after Boogie Nights. He was on the set of Eyes Wide Shut, which they were filming for like two years. Mm. And uh, which that blows my mind too. I don't know what the budgets of Stanley Kubrick movies were, but you always hear these stories and they're like, well, after the first year and a half, I'm like, the first year and a half? What do you That's Yeah, that's wild. It's either like... They did it so part time that they had it for a really cheap rate, or they yeah. spent like an absolute fuckload on it. I mean, I just I don't understand how you can film one film over two years and have people like not look different. And, yeah, and right. continuity. Like, how does that work? I and especially with Kubrick, where everything is exactly precise. Yeah, all the time. And I thought a lot of that movie when I first saw it, I thought it was shot in New York. No, it was shot in a soundstage in London. Right. Because he never left London after a certain while. But uh, time has been flying by, and mm. you just did you just did your last show for a while, or is it coming yes. up? Yes. Um, I did a show on Wednesday, yeah. So, I mean, you know, live stuff is so up in the air at the moment. I'm sure it's the same in LA where yeah. they, they start doing things, but then something flares up and everything gets postponed. Like, you know, the Pet Shop Boys show from like 25 years ago with New Order that's supposed to be happening at some point this year. And it just feels like I'll do a show. I'm not ready to plan a tour because I don't feel like that's hugely safe at the moment. Yeah, it's also not good for your mental health, right? It's not good for your mental health, no. And like, you know, there are tours going on that I'm, you know, I'm sure they're having a good time with it. But behind the scenes, there's a lot of stress. Like, sure, I mean, you know, look, Elton just got COVID. I know. I was just about to say Elton just had to cancel shows because of COVID. And, you know, if if somebody like that, like him and Adele, if they can't have a seamless touring experience, what <laughs> hope does anybody else have? I know. That's like, the thing. Pretty much anything. If Elton wants anything to be any kind of way, safe yeah. or whatever, or nutty, it, it can be that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We've seen it. The catering is perfect. And so if yes. he got it, when I saw that, I was like, what? Oh, my God. Don't yeah. go out of your house, anybody. Yeah, I know. 
How have you been managing that, the uh, isolation versus non-isolation? Because you still DJed some at Come Yeah, on I'm still right? DJing every week. So it's not, it's a weird thing at the moment. You, maybe you have a similar thing where it's not isolation in the way that it was a year and a half ago. Yeah. But it's also not normal. So you're in this really odd like limbo period where you don't know how to feel about things because you can do enough that you don't feel housebound, but you right. also can't do what you would normally do with your life. So it feels like a, a really odd, um, yeah, like a limbo thing. Limbo is perfect, I think. It yeah, I agree. Like I go very to the weird. movies. I go to the movies. I'm comfortable there because they are very strict about the mask policies and the vaccine passports yep. and all that. Yeah, it was strange being in Massachusetts where some people kind of don't take it as seriously, and seeing that yeah. and being like, "What's going on here?" Like the guy who was coughing yeah. at the CVS, holding a mask, not wearing it. That was Great. nice at the pharmacy yeah. in line for the pharmacy. So that's good. Great. I wonder what that yeah. gentleman's up to right now. <laughs> uh, but oh. there, it's the thing where you know you have to keep your mask on unless you're eating, and yes. pretty much the odds are that if like how many people are eating at the same time and who was around mm -hmm. you and all that. So that I feel comfortable with, but I still haven't gone to like uh, a bar or club right. since Omicron. Yeah. yeah, see, I have been to bars. Um, I will say I'm, I only really go to places that are pretty empty, which I know that seems like a nominal thing, but like if there's more than like five or six people in a bar, that's like a, you know, a, a, a normal size, then I probably won't go in. I have DJed a lot of places which are much busier, but I wear my mask while I'm doing yeah, that. Yeah, there you so, go. Yeah. Um, it's like, kind of like marshmallow. You, know? you have a nice look now. It's like a whole thing. It's fabulous. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> the I mean, man of mystery behind the decks. Yeah. Like, I'm not choosing to go out to places, to shows and things that are busy if I'm not working at them because I do also need to earn. Can I answer this phone call one second? Of course. Yeah. Guess, sorry. No, of course. Hello. Hello. Oh, fuck off. Sorry, I thought it was uh, about green card. It's not. It's uh, Cooney Alert. <laughs> I mean, so your green card is all set, though, right? No, it's. I have a stamp, but they lost my passport. They lost my green card in the mail, so I'm waiting for a replacement, which can take up to a year. Oh, my God. Yes. That's a nightmare. Now, do you have, like, they would have with licenses where you can print out the temporary kind of thing, just in the, case I there's have a, a stamp. Yeah, I have a, I have a oh, temporary okay. stamp, yeah. Okay, at least but there's that, that. That in itself was a process. Anyway, back to what we were talking about. Um, yeah, back to the fun stuff. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> I'm fine in movie theaters because of the mask mandate, and yeah. I've been going to the movies, which has been fine. It's reduced capacity, great. DJing, I have been doing because I can't afford to lose the money, but I also don't choose to go out as much around that, and I'm very specific about like where I go. Yeah. Um, and definitely to places where they have like strict like vaccine mandate and where people are, you know, encouraged to do whatever they feel comfortable with. Like if you don't want to wear a mask inside, if you're vaccinated, fine, but you also can. And there's no weirdness about stuff like that. So it's really doing whatever you can to stay within your mental health boundaries. Yeah. In every sense, like whether you yeah. feel comfortable enough or also like you're not too bored and too isolated. So. Right. Well, actually, you know, I said I hadn't been to an event, but I did go to an event. A friend had a <clears throat> had a concert up in Agora Hills, which sounds very cute and, and charming, but it's so far away. I ended up riding with someone else because it's like mm. over an hour away. Do you oh, remember wow, when okay. we picked up the drums from John Mahon? Right. It's near there. It's past there. Oh, shit. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so, listeners, when we were getting everything ready to go on the tour that I uh, worked on with Rod... We went to pick up drums from someone in Elton's band, and we didn't realize two things: like the traffic patterns at like three p.m., which oh, so insane it is because you always think anywhere you're at, you go okay, five p.m. probably not the best time mm -hmm. to go cross town. Three to three p.m., you think fine. No, 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 no. Don't go to Calabasas if you're not in Calabasas already around three p.m. I think it's so safe strange. to travel there at midnight to three a.m. I mean, yeah, it's just so crazy. Like it's such an odd, you know. You can really tell at what period of time LA was built and the roads were built. Like it's when there were so few cars <laughs> yeah. on yeah. a road that needed to get places. And it's really interesting to sort of be able to really like time date a place by how well the roads operate, you know, capacity-wise. Yeah. Crazy. Apparently, 
I think in the 30s or the 20s or sometime prior to when we were around, um, mm-hmm. they had a very, very sophisticated rail car system. Yeah, and then the uh, the automobile companies bought them out or threatened the government. They'd take the business out so that they wouldn't uh, contradict their business and they wouldn't invest in public transport. Awesome. Yeah, and they had all of it torn awesome. out. So it's another example of corporations looking out for the best interest of the public. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I know we're talking about dark things, but, I mean, you read the news, and there's so many great things. I don't know how we're uh, – what, what do you do to balance the necessary intake of news with, again, mental health? Uh, um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like I'm still navigating that, really, because I'm trying not to be ignorant to what's going on, but there are definitely days where you just – it's such an overload of, like – constant negative stuff and constant stress constant turmoil that you just need to like i don't know just switch it off go for a walk maybe read a book listen to music do whatever like watch a film that's nothing to do with what's going on but i mean yeah yeah it's been it's been difficult especially like the last i would say year where things have opened up again and you're more engaged physically in society as well like it's difficult to sort of see the struggles that everybody's had over the last couple of years and to, you know, you check your own privilege because, you know, whatever we've gone through is still pretty fine, like compared to a lot of other yeah, people. Sure. Just be, yeah, it's a lot. It's, it's like a constant like barrage on mental health still, which is, uh, I don't think that's going to change. You know, I think we've had such a, a sort of like acute awareness about it for the last two years. I don't think that's going to shift. I feel like we were quite, like comfortably numb to a lot of stuff before COVID and now everything, everything is so like apparent and so prominent that it's like, wow. Okay. Well, here we go. Buckle up. Yeah. True. And also, I, and that could be good. It could be good for our yeah, awareness it, levels. It has its positives for sure. I think it's going to be just be a lot. We need to be a lot more resilient, you yeah. know, as, well, as people. I very much agree with that, particularly because there's a sort of jadedness with which people are talking about the current administration. Now, mm. everyone's free, obviously, to have their issues with any administration. But I think the, oh, it's been a year, what's gone on? Oh, what the hell? He's not doing anything. The redu- re- like the um, reductive way of looking at how policies yeah. are carried out or how quickly things get done when we have you yeah. know, uh, I- irresponsible actors like Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema going on it's like well yeah. there's there's a large problem here it's not just yeah. one guy and also i don't the, like yes. these tabloidish things where it's like biden and harris are they still getting along oh it's so fucking boring <laughs> it really is so fucking boring i am bored honestly by every single person in polit- political power at the moment and the, the whole theater of it all i really just i'm so tired of you know the the kind of ego involved in it all and the gameplay and the charade of it all like yeah. it's how politics works it's how politics has always worked but i really feel like there's just no time for it now you know there's really right. no time for it at all left on like the environment and people's mental health and healthcare and everything mm-hmm. there is no time for this nonsense anymore and i don't know why it still has to be there i don't understand what the republicans end game is with downplaying covid still i don't understand what the end game is yeah. I don't understand what the benefit is. Oh, I, I'm so spent, you know? I'm sure <laughs> you are. I'm sure we're all yeah. just like absolutely bone tired of this nonsense now. And what's funny about it is even talking about it, you think, oh, maybe we shouldn't be talking about it because everyone's tired of it. But then there's this other thing that I've been thinking about lately where it, it's like we're all sort of running the risk of gaslighting ourselves yeah. about the severity of things or how we're reacting to things or the state of the world. And then there's also a thing that's sort of Instagram um, friendly. Everything's fine. Look at every, everything's yeah. fine. Everything's fine. And for some people that is true. Yeah. But um, I think there's that propensity for us to not want to dwell on things, but it's kind of hard to not acknowledge it. Yeah. Like it's, it's so boring to still have to talk about it. Yeah. But it's also so necessary, unfortunately. You know, like you can't pretend things are fine. You can't pretend that, you know, I mean, maybe you saw in the news the other day that Sarah Palin got COVID and she went out in New York Blew and she mind. went and ate in restaurants. It's fucking disgusting. Like yeah. this absolute horseshit cunt. Like 
<laughs> has such little respect for human beings other than herself. She risked the workers who are on like minimum wage, yeah, you know, <laughs> below minimum wage, relying on tips. They she risked their health. Everybody in the kitchen, everybody who owns that business or works in that business, everybody at the restaurant, everybody on the street that passed her, everybody in the Uber that she took, yeah, everybody on the street. It's like this level of selfishness is so mind blowing to me. Like I cannot cope with people like that like i don't think that anyone deserves to die but she does not deserve to live i couldn't agree with you more i tweeted and said gee wouldn't it's it disgusting. be a, wouldn't it be a shame if she suffered greatly and then dropped dead yeah it'd just be it's awful just, it's disgusting it's like there i don't think that anyone deserves to die but i do think you have to do things in your life which like merit the fact that you get to take up the same amount of air and space as everyone else yeah and she just absolutely every single step of her life point blank refuses to do anything selfless yeah and i just don't think that that has earned you the right of privilege that you have over all of these other people that are trying so hard to be compliant and you know friendly and responsible and thoughtful and you've got somebody like that and there's no there's no comeback to that there's no consequence of their actions and i just don't understand how we still live in a world like that it's so gross yeah because it also just feels like the bullies the bullies win you know yeah i i really like take such offense at all of these slogans around like love always wins it doesn't it doesn't always win and like goodness always outdoes but it doesn't it really doesn't do that like it's good to have that optimism but it's absolutely not true and blind optimism really gives these stupid bullies like the upper hand because they know that they that that's not correct they know that they can get away with stuff and it really like breaks my heart all the time to see you know all the people that are like working beyond their means beyond their bank accounts beyond their like energy levels and their capacities to like try and do something good right and the people that are so selfish have such an easier route through life because it literally expends no energy from them. And all they do is take and take and take. It's like, I am, have you seen the film Life Force? I'm imagining you've seen that film. Oh yeah, bits of it. I need to see the whole thing, but yeah. So Basically Space Vampires for those Space Vampires, yeah. So I read the book that it's based on, Space Vampires to the day. And the idea of vampirism is really interesting. So the premise of the book is that everyone has the capacity to be a vampire, whether you are like, quote unquote like a vampire or not what it actually means is like how you take or give energy yeah and like some humans have the capacity to like vampire energy from other people and that's exactly what people like sarah palin donald trump mitch mcconnell all these people they are vampires they just take and take and take and take and take and fill up their own energy banks and they give nothing back Mm -hmm. or they give like enough once in a while that it gaslights people to think that they're being serviced which they're not and it's just amazing to me that like their tricks work time and time again. It's just so shocking. Like, I don't understand. Like, I feel guilty when I've argued with my cat. I don't understand <laughs> how you can do the things that they do and and actually like sleep peacefully at night. Like you have to be so devoid of soul for that yeah. to be possible. It's it's so disgusting. It makes me like so angry I could catch fire. <laughs> <laughs> honestly <laughs> well save that for the last part of the show because we still mm. have time left but i, I agree with you. yeah <laughs> <laughs> well we're, we're working on a reduced production budget so anything we can do to uh, yeah exactly drum up yeah. excitement I'll final hope yeah <laughs> <laughs> but the uh the similarities or the um roots of all of this stuff rather in basically abusive personalities yeah. it's the same through all different parts of life that can be a some kind of personal relationship or it's this hideous public relationship yeah that they just get away with stuff and gaslighting people but breadcrumbing as well yeah another yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, breadcrumbing yeah term that's uh popular with the psychiatrists uh or psychologists therapists uh or tiktokers mm-hmm. um oh, TikTok. <laughs> but you've been uh quite wonderful on tiktok uh you've been doing the mashups yeah i have i've been having fun with it i think you know more and more i guess i understand like the joy of the platform and people just being able to share like little bits of their personalities or whatever what i like is seeing people's pop culture references i think that's kind of fun on there yeah um i love like you know for example watching like trixie mattel the songs that she chooses for her posts and like some of the things that she she 
uses are like really fun insights into that and like juju b does stuff like that and like just like random people picking up on a song or mm-hmm. a movie clip or a, something like that that i thought it was kind of maybe worth like i make mashups all the time just for myself um my brain like fuses songs together all the time i'm sure yours fuses movies together probably yeah. at some point <laughs> um or like actors and you know storylines yeah. and stuff yeah, like um, for instance, uh, I, thought I, I thought about all the John Cassavetes characters being guests on the love boat. You know, like Cosmo yeah. Vitelli from Killing <laughs> of a Chinese Book, he's showing up on one of the cruises and like talking like he did in the film, but on the love boat. Yeah, well, that's that's a TikTok in itself, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, Coming I thought soon. it'd be fun to just share them and see what you know what the up- uptake would be, and people seem to really like them. So I'm having fun making that, and you know, while while I now have like an album and a compilation album that I haven't got to do one show for as part of a tour, I don't feel ready to do a new studio album just yet. So it's something that keeps me feeling creative whilst also not requiring me to like generate hundred percent new material. Does it feel like Like, you haven't uh, run the full race when you can't do the other component of an album cycle? It does. Yeah. It's the same thing, I suppose, as like making a film or a documentary or like all of these, you know, podcasts and longer explorative features that you did like if you just made them and then none of them ever got aired then you (laughs) just feel like oh well yeah i made it but i'm not ready to move on because i haven't had any feedback from it it's not had the life that it's intended you know it's like it's still at like uh 90 loading on like a, a computer screen right and so there's only so many of those you can have that haven't reached the end before you realize I don't have the the space within me to like start another thing from scratch, you know? Right. So it feels, it feels odd. And a lot of artists have had that experience where they've had no shows and, you know, they don't really know what to do, but also it's absolutely not the time for independent musicians to be city hopping because, you know, it. everybody I know that has done it, every single person has got COVID. Every yeah. single person. I yeah. to date has still not got COVID, which is, have you? Uh, I had it, I believe, when I was in London. So right. I figured out after talking. Oh to yes, folks, I remember yeah. that you got super sick. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it didn't I, seem yeah. like it was at first because I didn't lose my sense of taste and smell. Yeah, but I had all the other stuff. But we didn't right. know at that time that there could be different versions. Yes, so it might have been that. Yeah, I I have consistently tested negative throughout the entire Good. period, which is um, amazing and also like very confusing because <laughs> I have been DJing and I have done sure. one or two shows and flown twice or three times so um yeah i'm just not prepared to like put not 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 even so much my health but like my dancers i'm not willing to risk their health to travel and do yeah. multiple shows you know when i when i'm not convinced that i can safely do that for them i'm also like as their employer i'm responsible for everyone's health care i don't have the finance for that especially in this country so um <laughs> It's a, it's a difficult position unless you've really got some like money behind you. And even then, that doesn't guarantee that you can still stay COVID-free. Yeah, exactly. And I think that the stress of all that to yeah. endeavor on a an outing would be terrible mm-hmm. because what if then there's some kind of not lockdown, but some new strain, some new yeah, terror? Yeah, what if you're stuck somewhere? Like, yeah. which has happened to people. People have been stuck in, you know, countries that they don't know anybody in. So they like then they have to get a hotel for what... 10 days or if the borders close right you know right for example um i got maybe we talked about this last time we talked but um uh i left the uk the day that they closed the borders into the us right um at in march march 16th 2020 i got the last but one flight out of the country that i could possibly have gotten without my green card Right. And I would still have been there until last month. Oh, my God. Nearly two years on because the borders only reopened in November. Wow, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a special visitor coming next month that we're very excited about. And even then, when the borders opened up, there was some hesitancy about booking the ticket because you get this thing, too. You get this um, hesitation about everything, you know, going to places or even planning something. And that yeah. has its own bizarre effect on you because now you're yeah. second guessing things. And I think yeah. there's a lot of social anxieties that uh, say people have gotten better about the ones that they had, or maybe they're experiencing new ones that they didn't expect. And that throws you into a whole kind of thing. Even when there was the opening up of stuff last yeah. summer, 
there would be something where I had like a panic attack at a very comfortable, uh, familiar place around mm-hmm. people I knew. But there was too many people, and it just triggered something. And I was yeah. like, Bleh. "Thankfully, I had yeah." Because you feel like you you feel like you're ready to do stuff, and then you get into situations, and you realize very quickly that you're not. Like last December, I was DJing at a party, and four days later, my parents were arriving in New York, and you know, I was nervous about doing the show because. I absolutely could not test positive before they came because there's so much money involved in them coming over the hotels that I paid for, for them, like thousands and thousands of dollars. And most DJ sets that I've done have been good. Like they've had, they've been in venues that have like a bit more space or a bit more ventilation, but this particular one didn't have windows in the back room where we were DJing Mm -hmm. and they got busier and busier and busier. And I actually had, I think for the first time in my life, an actual panic attack and I had to leave. So I was DJing with a friend of mine And I don't think it would have hit me anywhere near as much as it did if my parents weren't coming three days later. Sure. But that night I was like, I have to get out. I have to go home. I am so scared that I'm going to get sick tonight. Like I have to leave this building immediately. And I did. And I was just like, oh my God, what, what the fuck just happened to my brain? Because I'm not that kind of person. I'm not that stressed. I'm not, um, I don't react to that sort of thing. No, not at all. And it was weird to to really kind of clock the fact that, like, yes, we are in a different position, but really not that much. And then trying to keep that in check, you know, when you're also then thinking about future plans and planning things, especially travel, because now I think companies are much more hesitant to refund trips if it's a COVID cancellation. Now they're like, well, you knew, so. <laughs> it's been in the papers. You can't really. Yeah. Yeah, well, and there's that weird dual existence that we live on where we're thinking about all this stuff and then trying to act like things are normal. And the schism between makes us feel crazy sometimes, especially when you have a panic attack like that, like especially if it's like your first full-on one. I had not had something like that since, I don't know, a very long time ago. You know, you can get uptight. Maybe it's too crowded somewhere. Maybe it's too loud. But this was overwhelming. And then I noticed also, even getting back to the movie theater when it reopened, uh it's almost like the the feeling of like if you you know you're too drunk and you but you don't realize and you start talking to someone and you're like yeah yeah that but the other version like as if you accidentally took uh speed and didn't know it you know and you're just like amped up and freaked and then your adrenaline pins and then it's all these strange emotions and you're like oh i don't know if i want to go out but uh, thankfully that bit's gotten better but you know and we'll get back to um something at some point but i just think now we're in this strange period where everyone's like well okay it's gone on this long what the fuck is going to go on now yeah what next you know like what's the next downfall or uptick like or you know whatever like what what is the next change that we're gonna either positively or negatively navigate and you can't shut everything down again because you know things have to happen people's lives have to go on but also you can't just open everything so it's like what do you do then and it's kind of just being left to every individual responsibility and like you know there was a huge um criticism of biden for saying that it's like a state by state not a federal you know response yeah which i do think that did piss me off yeah but also the rural midwest is very different from urban new york absolutely so i do understand to a point where like those rules cannot blanket apply to everywhere because the the climate is so different and it just really highlights the fact that this country is too big to be run by one person or one body it's not one country it's like 50 different microcosms and microclimates and micro societies that like they aren't the same you know like just the way that cities and towns and whatever structured rural areas versus urban areas they're not the same so things don't make sense in different places and like you know yes that was a failing on his part in a way but also it's like it is reality that you know you can't you can't blanket make decisions for everything so i do feel for people that are trying to navigate it i just wish that like more everyday people would just try and be like a little bit less selfish you know but it just seems like people are not capable. They're not. It's not they're not capable, but they're not willing to be less selfish. I, I found this 
very strange thing about that is that this whole era has not seemingly made people more compassionate, but made them less compassionate. Less. And that less, could be in terms less, yeah. of income uh, disparity, current negative income situations. Leo Herrera posted a really great thing about that being a still taboo topic amongst uh, queer mm -hmm. people. And it's very strange because I think it makes people then hide a lot of their issues and uh, situations. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But on a cheerier note, I saw a couple horror movies this week that I think you would enjoy. Ooh. What did you see? Trick or Treat from the mid-80s, horror, uh, heavy metal horror. Right, okay. No, that's on my list, yes. Okay, I can send it to you if you'd like. I have a Blu-ray rip. Um, Ooh, uh, cameos in it from Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne, which is fun. Great. fun. And starring Skippy of Family Ties. And oh. the, pr the premise, of course, is a satanic rocker embeds his soul in a backwards mask record. Kid plays it. Hilarity ensues. Then I saw one that's not very good, but if you want to check it out on YouTube, it's called Terror on Tour, 1980. <laughs> Shot in seven days, starring, well, one of the stars is the soup Nazi from Seinfeld. And it's uh, a fake kiss type band, and then there's murders happening around, and on and on. Yeah. Great. Great. How about you? I watched uh, a movie called Cameron's Closet, which is from 1988. Mm -hmm. which is like a sort of semi-low budget sci-fi um, of like uh, kinetic abilities of a child. The child is one of the best child actors I've ever seen, honestly. Like he was extremely, extremely believable the whole time. Um, it's a blast. I had a really good time watching it. There's, the effects are obviously like quite low budget, but it's done so well. It doesn't matter. I really, yeah. really enjoyed that film and I was not expecting that at all. Um what else did I watch recently? A film, a Polish film called She-Wolf, which is Wilksika, uh, I think, in its native language, which was absolutely bonkers. <laughs> um, Eastern European film does have a tendency to be like a little bit more like off the wall. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool. It's like very like folklore based, like crazy, crazy, crazy film um, with like an amazing climax. Like the, the last two minutes are like absolutely like, Batch it and fantastic to watch. Oh, fun. Um, really, really fun. And oh, I watched the Radio Land Murders. Have you ever seen that? Uh, I never have. They always oh, intrigue so me. Good. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. I wasn't sure because I, you know, I love Clue and I love like a lot of the, the Mel Brooks movies. Um, and it was a lot of fun. It's absolutely like it's it's so unhinged. There are moments which are just so rip roaringly funny, and they have little jingles like um Oh, uh, where it's like, um, I wish you were dead, you scoundrel, or something like that. It's those are not the words, um, but it's like something along the lines of that. Like they kind of cut from like the action back to like the Radio Land, like live radio production, and the songs are just like hilariously like on the nose with these like gorgeous like forties productions, and it's mm -hmm. it's so funny. The cast are brilliant. It's a absolutely hilarious film. I would highly recommend it. Oh, well, I'm gonna have to look out for that. I saw. Something I think you'd like as well called Get Crazy. It was by okay. the director of Rock and Roll High School. And it was one of those movies that the uh, funding company deliberately sabotaged the release so they could make more money on the failure of it and, and the bankruptcy. Wow. Yeah. They producered it. Um, but it's a zany, nutty rock comedy. But it has Malcolm McDowell playing a oh. Mick Jagger style rock star mm -hmm. called Reggie Wanker. That's fun. <laughs> and he sings and he cannot sing. And it's great. Uh, and leaving from fear is in it and the theme songs right. by sparks so it's fun i'll send it to you i actually won the leaving was in something else i watched the other day as well i mean that has to be like a pun of a name right leaving <laughs> like that can't be his real name that's and that's how we got cast in clue i guess someone just loved the idea that his name was leaving and that's yeah, how he got amazing. brought to the party <laughs> and he's so in good. he's in flash dance oh he's in a is terrific he? movie called black moon rising with tommy lee jones oh i think i've seen that very good. Script by John Carpenter. Very mid-80s 
um, kind of that term er, early Terminator vibe to it, and something else that. Uh, oh, he was in a film called Nightmares, which I watched as well. I found the VHS of that in a in a store, um, and that's that's very fun if you ever see a copy of that it's like a you know one of those like trilogy kind of pieces which has Emilio Estevez playing like a video game buff (laughs) um leaving plays I don't even remember what he played in it but he was he was probably a bad guy I'm gonna guess I think yeah I think that suspicion might be correct (laughs) I love him in any movie if he's in it I'm like great it's gonna be a good time yeah absolutely are you a fan of rock and roll high school (sighs) god I saw it so long ago I can't remember I was just curious, yeah. Well, I can send that to you, too. Although, avoid the sequel with Corey Feldman doing his music instead of the Ramones. Oh, I poor mean, Corey Feldman. I know. Oh I saw him live once. The wow. Whiskey. Yeah, it was an experience. Yeah. I don't want to say too much bad stuff about him because he's gone through a lot. Yeah, he's gone through a lot, but um, so have we with his music career. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We've had to endure a lot, so please. We've had to go through we're, a lot, yeah. We're well in within our rights. So uh, a lot of fun going on in England with uh, Boris. Yeah. Yeah. What a mess. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, and you're one of the people that Brexit really, I mean, it affects a yes. lot of people, but in terms of being an independent musician. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's pretty rough. I mean, I'm, that's another thing about like playing tours and stuff now. Like the logistics of that are going to be quite messy with visas and, and everything like that. I'm not really sure how that's going to come into play. And I'm very nervous to sort of tackle that on the head. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to leave that for a little while. But yeah, what a mess. Like everything is such a mess. Again, like politics of the, the charade and the theater of politics. Like yeah. why is any of this necessary? It's just wasting money, wasting time, wasting lives. Like what an absolute pointless exercise. Yeah, although hopefully he's going to be drummed out soon. That's my hope. Oh, I mean, I don't know. Even if he is, then what's the next fucking cunt that's going to come in place of him, you know? like yeah, right. It's just like a chamber of horrors, basically. On a lighter note, though, um, I know we're vacillating between them, but that's the era we live in. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. You, uh, the visit with your folks must have been lovely. How long had it been since you had last been able to spend time with them? Since March the 9th, 2020. So yeah, it was nearly two years. It was a long time. It was really good to see them. And um, we did go to see quite a few shows, which was really fun. Um, they were actually saying they felt much safer here in New York than they did at home because people were wearing masks and you were you had to show vaccination to get into places which you don't have to in the UK. And there's been, um, you know, pushback against vaccination certificates or whatever you call them passports which even like some friends of mine have been anti them and i'm just so confused by it um yeah i don't get what the big problem is it's like okay uh you need to see my id to get booze or whatever at some yeah yeah what's the difference so they were saying like you know people don't have access to smartphones whatever which i understand but there should also be like a paper version you know like yeah there, there should be some way to do that which we do have like we have a physical piece of paper you can take that with you right anyway but yeah they felt much safer we had a really good time saw a couple of shows what shows did you see we saw uh jinx monsoon and ben de la Cram's christmas show which is oh, awesome fine. yeah we saw little shop of horrors on stage again which is brilliant 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 uh phantom of the opera which is hilarious um yeah it was really good it was just so lovely to see them and get to spend time and then you know straight after they left omicron kicked off and i don't know when it's going to be safe to like really do stuff like that again now like going to the uk i obviously do want to go and i was planning to go sometime in february but it's just not there's no point at the moment like there's no it's not really you know as easy to do that and i also don't want to go and like take germs with me yeah you know because they're like in their 70s now so yes you can travel and yes whatever and like people are still like oh you know you can go i've gone or whatever it's like well yeah you can but like you can you can go if you're not worried about anything but i am and also you know thankfully on my trip everything worked out i didn't bring anything to my folks and my mom is 80 my dad's 85 but just because that worked out well 
doesn't mean everything will. No, and there's a I tendency know. that people have where they go, it's no big deal. No, you, no, just the, the real way to say that is like, everything worked out, thank heavens. Great, yeah, great. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. phew, that's the only thing. Not, it's no big deal. Because that's part of the gaslighting that everyone is doing a little bit to each other. And that's the tricky part. Because then you start thinking like, well, wait, maybe I'm too crazy. Maybe I'm Howard Hughesing this I whole know. thing. And I feel like I'm kind of comfortably in between where I was in the heart of things. Uh, yeah. in the first year and that's fun to say in the first year of this uh, yeah the first year <laughs> I remember back in the first year ah uh, yeah uh, favorite moments of the first year of the uh, nightmare but um, mm-hmm. and then there's people who then get too cavalier because they happen to go somewhere and it worked out okay and then they're just you know yeah. things slide and slide further um, but I think it's probably wise to not go but I'm glad you got that chunk of visit in my visit to my parents was such a restorative thing because I hadn't been in the physical presence in the same house of other people at a, for a continuous chunk of time in a great long while. Yeah. And there's something that is um, irreplaceable or you can't duplicate it about that. You know, because even yeah. you have like one day where you're a little cranky with each other, whatever, but you're still there all the time. Now, there have been trips to nightclubs like once a month and then the movie theater, which are also great and restorative because you have the chat you see people that you know at the theater and yeah at the halftime and all that stuff on the double features but uh that did a lot for me i think in my general mm. general outlook and it helped because also yeah. the previous holidays were probably the worst <laughs> one ever because it was just here by myself yeah I try, i'm trying to think what what were the worst what was the worst um oh god maybe like last january yeah, I think it was pretty shit. This one, this one has been boring, but it's been fine. I feel like I've got better coping mechanisms for it this year. But last January felt like utterly exhausting. Yeah, last maybe like January through March, where it was like coming up to a year, and he was still dipping in and out of like the same problems. That was pretty bad. And plus, when you're in the eastern seaboard area. January there's no holiday stuff anymore that's over and you're just waiting till March which will be the apex of miserable weather yeah and it's yeah and for me I would have the bonus of my birthday being in February so I could be like well it's it that could something to look forward to something to to think about something to celebrate yeah yeah then like February 16th 17th I'd be like oh okay now we're gonna go through March uh and then sometimes you get a snowstorm in April so the print song isn't even as absurd as it might seem speaking of which just watch Under the Cherry Moon have you seen Under the Cherry Moon I have not no I'm gonna send it to you because you know what it's fantastic okay if you if you watch it knowing that it is just a frothy silly bizarre (laughs) comedy it's great but Hot in the Heels of Purple Rain, you might be like, mm, I don't know. But actually, the only real bad film of his, I think, is Graffiti Bridge. I can't finish it. Right. I haven't seen Graffiti Bridge, actually. But you also love rock movies, right? Do I? Um, <laughs> yeah, yes and no, I think. I mean, definitely in the last few years, I've gravitated towards like trashy horror versus like anything like that. So I've been more into my like Italian horror movies. And I don't think I've watched much else other than that for the last... Uh, did you watch the new Scream? I have not. Have you seen it? Yes, twice. Oh, so you liked it quite a bit. I really liked it, yes. I thought you know, it was really fun. You know, I've uh, talked about doing a movie club for Scream 2 through 4. And maybe mm-hmm. it'd be fun to do like 2 and 3 and then 4 and 5 once 5 is available on home video. Yeah. Uh, of course, you say streaming now. I'm saying home video like it's coming out on VHS and beta. But yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, that'd be fun. You should do one of those with me. That'd be fun. Yeah. 3 is my favorite. Is it? Okay. So yes, the two, three, two and three, we'll do that and that'll be on your Patreon too. Okay. Yeah. My favorites go three, five, one, two, four. Wow. I love also that Scream Devotee. See, I've only seen the first one. Oh. Uh, yeah. So I'm looking forward to getting into the whole thing because okay. I saw the first one. We did a movie club on it and then I meant to see the rest, but then you know the world took its turn and whatever. Yeah. Um, but I've been watching a lot of the Italian films as well i just i know you sent this to me or talked about it with me murder rock i haven't watched that yet and that's so fun next on my list and two that i was reminded of by the trailers shown at new beverly the other night that i want to send you i haven't seen them yet so i don't know how good they are slaughterhouse rock and uh rockula 
both starring Tony Basil. Wow. Okay. No, I don't know this. No. Also put add to the like the rock one. There's like the Paganini horror. I just watched that. You did you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wild. It's wild. Uh, so wild. Yeah. It's so wild. It's the Paganini's the melody. And it's like, <laughs> what what is this nonsense? But it's so much fun. Uh, so for those not familiar, the premise is this band which are kind of modeled on what, like the Go-Go's kind of, or no, the yeah, Flirts. Kind of, they're like the Flirts. Yeah, they're like the Flirts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And their producer is like, this is shit. You need a hit. Where are your hits? You can't write anymore. And so the solution is one of them goes and buys on the black market from a suspicious man played by Donald Pleasance a never released manuscript, or what do you call it, uh, sheet music or something, I guess yeah. manuscript, of a Paganini piece, because that spells pop hit. <sighs> Yeah, and then that un- that that unleashes some uh, the, de- pos- the devil. I think the devil's written in yes. music or something like that. It's just, I mean, it makes absolutely no sense. But it, I mean, what does you know anymore? Well, that's the at thing. At this point, it, that it, could easily be a documentary. Who knows? It either either everything makes sense or nothing makes sense. So let's go yeah. with everything makes sense. Yeah, yeah, right. And we'll call <laughs> it a documentary. That's all. Yeah, yes. But Donald Pleasance fans will love it. So, uh, what else are you doing to uh, keep yourself entertained lately? Um, I mean, you're always working on music. I know that. Yeah, trying to it's the mashups, the movie scores, and movies for me. That's like my holy, like my you know, uh, argento triptych kind of way of uh, keeping myself sane. I think that's that's mainly what I'm up to. Yeah. Do you have friends over? Do you have a little pod of people? Yeah. That you see? I mean, things are fine in New York, and you know, people have been very uh, conscientious about stuff. So I do see my friends every week, and. Um, DJing every week as well is great because I do have the little community that come out to that and it's like really good people that are really considerate and really lovely and really fun and uplifting people that like you know come every week so that's been good and it has been easier to see friends on the whole because we're all testing regularly and we'll like have like an outdoor brunch or like we'll test and if we're all negative we'll go to like a bar or something like that you know yeah so it's been fine on the whole. So like social, social wise, it's been actually kind of fine. It's more like, it's really like the work or career stuff that is the, the actual stress at the moment. Of course. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's very real and prolonged stress as well. Uh, and we yeah. mentioned the Spotify thing, but what's your take on Neil Young's position on the whole thing? I'm just amazed that a music company will remove a musician from their platform and not him not Joe, whatever his name is. Yeah. Joe, what's his name? Joe, Joe Rogan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I they invested don't... pretty heavily in Rogan. And, wow. there's, you know, and he's he is the most successful broadcaster in but the But isn't talk he also show. like a completely terrible person? Well, this is the problem. That his show, I used to listen to it sometimes, and he didn't really go off the cliff, in my estimation, mm. until the last couple of years. Again, I didn't listen to every episode. Right. But I like, you know, long-form conversation. I like that he sticks to the similar tenets that I like to apply, which are that he mm-hmm. only talks about and to people that he's interested in. Right. Uh, and then it got real bad in the last couple of years. The COVID yeah. misinformation, he had this terrible turf on that. The last time I listened to the show, I looked at the rundown of who was on and I went, oh, I don't know who that person is. Let's check it out because, okay, maybe it's a scientist. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's, I didn't know who it was or what they did. And yeah. It was so strange because the first five minutes is just them chatting and saying, oh, how you doing and all that. Oh, would you like a drink? And then he goes, oh, well, you were banned off Twitter in Canada. And I'm like, oh, what Who's what What did she do? What? And then it turns out she's a turf, right? So she wrote this book mm-hmm. and she did all the stupid stuff that turfs usually do. Yeah. And he just approached it like, yeah, you can't say anything anymore. And I thought, asshole. It's not a comedian making a like a joke that people yeah. took offense to. This is a woman who's putting out a text on yeah. uh, how gender is whatever you're born with or, you know, whatever. Pick any version of yeah. what those idiots say. I think say. the issue that I have with this whole Joe Rogan thing is, like, if you're spreading actual infam- misinformation about things that actually result in death, I don't think you should be allowed a platform. I don't think that should be legal. I think if you are spreading information which is harmful to people's lives and to the livelihood of the wider population, you should not be allowed to have that platform, especially like on a service, which is primarily for people to listen to music. Like, yeah. I don't understand. 
what that decision was based on other than their own money, which again is like the problem that we're faced with everything. It's like, it's absurd. Well, and also that's where they're making more money than they are, not necessarily more on music, but the people who aren't making money on music are the artists whose music is played on Spotify. And the thing I'm really happy about with Neil Young's statement which some people were, said, oh, it's futile because, of course, they're going to pick Rogan because they you know, leased his show for $100 million. But it's more that he's getting the distaste for Spotify out yes. in the public because it's almost like people refer to Spotify as the only place to listen to music. Yes, it is, yeah. And it's not the only, it's the only one that doesn't offer lossless, as far as I know. Amazon offers lossless uh, Apple Music. Now, there's yeah. a lot of user-friendly aspects to Spotify in that you can make playlists and all this. But um, it's way too much the only place that people go to. And artists barely get any money. I know. I did read that there's going to be an investigation launched about the the monopoly of the market by Spotify. Good. Which I do think is a really good thing. Um I mean, I think the results are fairly evident, but, you know, I suppose it all has to be done within the confines of like legality and whatever, whatever. It's difficult because somebody tweeted at me the other day, like, you should think about removing your music from Spotify in the wake of this. I'm like, you know what? I actually can't do that. Like, (laughs) I'm not in a position where I'm able to lose even those pitiful royalties from Spotify (laughs) and the exposure. Like, I actually cannot do that because the detriment to my ability to continue surviving as a musician it I, i'm not able to do that it really is going to take taylor swift to do that for them yeah. to pay any attention but neil young doing it like he doesn't rely on spotify i would imagine most of his fans own his records anyway on sure. the whole yeah so him doing that is important because it does send a message and in a way it's good that they removed his work and not Joe Rogan because it shows exactly where the loyalties lie. Yeah, exactly. So that needed to happen for the layman to be like, oh, wow, that's really wild. And then for that message to like reverberate through public consciousness, you know, but it's not going to change unless like heavy hitters do it. Like independent musicians removing their stuff like, wow, well, they're not even going to notice that I'm not on it. There's that funny thing where there's a pressure to go along with the right on message right but then people have to think how's it going to immediately affect you are you in a position to do that yeah i'm not in a position and it's like do you then go up to every person working in starbucks and like you need to quit your job because starbucks is unethical you can't say that because they have a family to support or they've got themselves to support they've got rent to pay like you can't just say to people you have to quit your job because the company has done something wrong it's like well investigate every single company that anyone works for then and i guarantee you that 90 percent of those companies have done something wrong yeah so you have to think about like impact with the message that you're sending and impact of like the behavior that you're trying to to like implement like you know you can't just tell normal people that need to survive to quit jobs like i wish you could but you can't right and just because you can get access to someone doesn't mean that you should offer them life advice on yeah. how to further a cause. And again, like we were talking about, if it's like, like donating to a charity, if someone's just barely getting by, why should they be expected to do the same thing that someone who has a lot of money yeah. could do? And also it's everyone's choice. It's up to everyone to do it or do what they want. But also if they feel so strongly about Spotify, they should cancel themselves. Yeah. If that's how they feel. Yeah. And someone like Neil Young has always been a very loud advocate for causes that he believes in and also very loud about things he doesn't think are good for the culture. You know, Mm -hmm. he put out an album in sometime in the early 2000s called Living With War, which Mm -hmm. was about George Bush. And of course, that got him a lot of blowback in the press. Mm -hmm. It was around the time the Dixie Chicks said what they did about Bush. And thankfully, they've been vindicated, but they still were hurt uh, quite a bit at the time. Massively hurt. I mean, yeah. You know, it's, it's difficult to sort of try and be ethical in a time where almost no company is ethical and it's only a matter of time before every company gets unearthed as being unethical which spotify has just you know shown itself to be like really not based on ethics at all um which was implicit but now it's like explicit in the way that like certain republican congressmen not every single one but certain ones have made it very explicit that like, you know, Mitch McConnell saying black people vote in the way that white people do. 
like literally saying that yeah on recorded footage it's like jesus christ like how is that not illegal (laughs) exactly how is that not illegal how is that man still in his position how's he even near a public office not in it but still i don't yeah Yeah. i don't even know it's it's really wild so it's not really about what every tiny individual person can do whilst you should be making efforts to do as much as you can you know it's really about like how you can make a community that can make a difference to stuff you know you still have to survive you just need to be able to like use your voice but not put yourself on the on in jeopardy poverty yeah in jeopardy to to do that you know and there's always something to do you can share a a post if it's a gofundme or whatever it is there's something you can do but i think also people shouldn't feel the pressure that they themselves are the ones who are going to change everything because generally it's not down to one person it never is and so that can be a whole thing and sometimes people can chase their their tail with making that their identity as well yeah like this this is potentially a an unpopular opinion but I do feel for people that are low-income LGBTQ plus people that, you know, I know and that come to my parties and, you know, they they try to go out and they try to support things. And say, like, they'll go to a show which has a cover but also has a drag show. So they'll pay, like, 5 to $10 to get in and they maybe get themselves, like, a drink just to be able to go and be in a safe space. Yeah. And to be around a community but also, like, give whatever they can to the bar, like their, you know, community, but also they're not spending like a hundred dollars on drinks. They'll spend like $10 on a, on a drink and whatever. And then you have a live show and sometimes performers scream at the audience to like, get your fucking money out and tip us and whatever. And it's like, you're screaming at a person that you don't know their income. And I, it really makes me feel so uncomfortable. Like, yes, live performers should be tipped. And yes, I will tip because I can afford to, but I don't think screaming in people's faces is like is very is very like community conscious. Like I feel sure. it, it does make a lot of people feel like supremely shit. Yeah, especially, especially when they're when already, already paid to come in, you know, and yeah. like they're struggling and like it that's something I think about a lot when it's like creating a safe space for people. Like I don't want people to worry about their finances when they come to a DJ set of mine. I don't want them to feel like they can't afford to come to a show and like I make my live shows as inexpensive as possible. And yes, I could be making $5 more a ticket, but I don't want to because it outprices people. Right. You know, I don't want to do that. I'm like really trying to straddle that line between making sure that people get paid for their performances and their artistic merit in a live space, but also not making people feel like shit if they can't give another tip, another dollar, another $5 when they've already paid to come in, already paid a cover and already tipped. Right. You know, like there has to be a point where you just like stop making people feel like insignificant that they can't afford that extra bit that they they never they shouldn't have to pay more and more and more and more and more all the time because then they'll leave and then they'll go home feeling inadequate and like they don't belong in that space because they don't fit a price bracket. Do you know what I mean? Like it's a yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a very very like pernicious kind of thing. Yeah, because also there's a unfortunate presumption all the time that everyone has a certain amount of money yeah and it's above a certain level that maybe is realistic for some folks especially now and i know that you know a lot of drag performers a lot of musicians including myself were out of work for a long time we didn't have our income we didn't have stuff but like a lot of non-performers were out of income as well a lot of people were on minimum wage jobs that they didn't have for like six months and you know they didn't have a platform to have a GoFundMe or a Cash App or a Venmo, and they didn't have any supplements. So I think we have to also be very conscious of those people. They're not less fabulous than us because they don't get on a stage. They, they also surviving, you know, I'm trying to keep in mind like the people that, you know, are trying to support things, but they also have a very finite bank account in, in even more than like we do, you know? Yeah. And like remembering to create that space for them that they still feel valid and they still feel welcome because they are and they should be. And I think it's incumbent on everyone in the queer community, especially to consider that because there is a tendency to forget that and think that everyone is either doing well or, you know, making money from the arts or whatever it is. And I think because queer people have to think about everything in life a little bit more than folks that aren't, 
that should be part of it as well and never it lose should be that. yes yeah it should be yeah i mean yeah it, it really should be in the mind and whilst i understand you know the tipping culture and where that comes from that's also like very american you know like in the uk you get paid <laughs> for the jobs that you do um they don't like to do that in america you no, waiter like and all america. this other stuff don't don't pay them fuck them but i'm i'm just very <laughs> conscious of it now with like you know everyone having suffered a massive hit over the last couple of years and and still suffering you know yeah well i think compassion is something that is yeah. uh, very needed and it's something that everyone should try to keep in the front of their minds all the time yeah because it's easy no matter who you are in whatever position to let that slide and that can be compassion for people who Maybe you're, they're doing well financially, but not doing well emotionally, because there's a lot yeah. of different problems that everyone's having now, and everyone is yeah. having some kind of problem. <laughs> everyone is, yeah. Although, yeah. you know, really, everyone, even in better times, that's also the case, too. So I think it's yes. it, it, it would behoove all of us to be a little gentler with people, even as how we assess them, because we're all quick to judge. Yeah. And we're all quick to make thumbnail sketches of people. Sometimes we're right. Sometimes people are just yeah. fucking assholes. But, you know. Give them a little bit of a wide berth. Yeah. Well, I think that's a lovely note to close on, Rod. I've yeah. had a, a lovely time uh, <laughs> seeing you again. Oh, and... it's so nice to see you. It's nice to catch up. Hopefully, I get to see you in an actual person sometime this year. Hopefully. That'd be wonderful. That will be possible, you know. God yeah. knows what will happen in the next few months, what what next variant yeah. is going <laughs> to rear her, rear her wig. But we'll yeah, see. see what she has in store for us. We'll uh, see. We will see. What her reveals will be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shablams and shabloops. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Uh, the lovely. And um, I'm glad we could do this. And we'll do uh, maybe every couple of months we do like a Patreon. Yeah, that sounds really good. Fabulous. Perfect. All right. Love you, Rod. Talk to you soon. Love you too. Take care. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>